that time, fellers. How we doing? Doing good, man. Everybody. I'm doing phenomenal. You guys are all taking notes. I'm not taking any notes. Checking your phones. I'm just taking some notes. Yeah? Yeah. No Trying notes to get for me. Prepared. Notes. Our uh, cerebral co-host taking notes. Our uh, joker du jour is probably tweeting somebody right now. And I'm JB. <laughs> I was taking a selfie. <laughs> From under the table. That's should be nice. Yeah. <laughs> We don't, know what, to Mandy. we don't know. <laughs> we don't know which way the camera was pointed. It's time for another episode of the Soccer Dad Pod. What do you guys think about this tune rolling in? Like it? I, I don't like know it. it. I don't know it. But I didn't know it. I this is this is a new find, effective one o'clock today. I, li- I like the distortion. Loved it. Yeah. Heard it on. Uh, I was listening to Zach Bryan on Rogan, and I never listened to Rogan. And uh, they were talking, and uh, one of them said something about, here's a song I never heard of. Should have been a hit. Was never a hit. It's becoming a hit now. Johnny Thunder. This is from, like, 68. Wow. Yeah. Super cool song, though. I was listening to uh, the Tiny Desk concerts on Spotify. You you go down a rabbit hole with some of that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They have a hip-hop one coming out. It's it's all the hip-hop. Uh, artists that did Tiny Desk and so I was listening to a couple of those Becca came to me the other day he's like oh my god dad I found this new music you, sh- you gotta check it out you know Lauren Hill right and I'm like yeah. heard of her yeah. <laughs> new heard music her. <laughs> he goes oh, I found this album it's it's on this I, it's called Unplugged <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really does she do it with acoustic instruments from MTV it's like dad did you know that when you do that wrist motion of doing a circle that actually used to mean there was a handle on the window that actually Gotta rolled roll the window, the window down. down. It wasn't just a button. Yeah. Yeah. Or when you th- put your finger in a circle in front of their face, like here, dial me, <laughs> yeah. then they're all lost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. When, when there's some videos on the internet that parents are like, throw them a rotary phone. They're like, order pizza. And they're like running around it and they're like, no, do this. I mean, it's hilarious. Kelly pulls it up all the time and it's just, it's so funny to watch. to talk to it. Well, what's the one? They have a track, a track, a rotary phone, and one other thing. And they're like, okay, make two of the three work. (laughs) (laughs) And then we just sit there and be like, oh my God, we are pathetic. Uh, Today's episode is not going to be pathetic. Today's episode is going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. Um, got a lot of people waiting for this one, including the three of us. But a lot of people have been knocking on the door, dialing us like, you got to get this guy. And we're lucky enough to have him here today. So we're looking forward to, uh, after the break, we're going to roll him on. What do we do, fans? We deliver. We do it. That's what we do. They say, this is what we want. And what do we do? We deliver. I, I just am still shocked. Not only that people are still listening. But that we get people like our next guest. <laughs> the, the guests answer and say, sure. Yeah. Especially after they sit here and listen to us talk for the first 10 to 15 minutes. And well, that's stay. why, I mean, it's, you know, for normal, regular listeners, they know that I'm always like, eh, are you regretting it yet? And so far, <laughs> I think he's, he's been chuckling a little bit here. So, Well, uh, I, think, I think our guest, and teasing it even more, got one of, and we'll talk about it, 
the best compliments I've ever heard of another human being. Yeah. And I'll talk about that in a minute because I think it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard about somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, pretty good compliment. I think Mr. Uh, Mr. Guest um, of the day will... <laughs> will... I mean, it's like we're being so secretive. Yeah. But they can read their dashboard. I think that he'll be... I think that'll make him feel pretty loved. Yeah. Um, as usual, we have to thank the people that are, uh, stepping up and helping sponsor the show since none of you people have found the Venmo button yet. Um, I think we need to make it bigger. I think, I think, yeah, maybe okay. my profile pic, change yeah. the profile pic from just the logo and just make it a Venmo QR. Or we can just make you subscribe. <laughs> ah. Oh, <laughs> probably wouldn't go over too well. Yeah. yeah that that might, that might burn some bridges. I don't know. Bally's got away with it with Cardinals. MLS seems to be doing fine on Apple. I mean, why not? Yeah, I guess you're probably right. They also I mean, we're pretty much the same thing. I'm excited for the points today. I got one that's kind of all encompassing uh, encompassing this episode, and I think you guys are gonna like it. Well, then kick it off. Well, first off, who are the who are the pin, who are the points brought to us by uh, the, our, our our fellows over at <clears throat> thepinnaclehomeloans.com? Um, Bill and Chris do a fine job. Um, I think their niche is speed. In this um, in this market where you need to jump on something quick and have funds available, these are your guys. Uh, my pinnacle point one of the day. We are currently within the 30-year anniversary. Uh, there's a lot of themes through our show. We had Al Trost on. Um, his building was demolished by it. But right now, oh, yeah. we are in the 30-year anniversary of the Great Flood of 1993. Um, our guest um, happened to be very relevant in our area at that time, and I just, those pictures and just scrolling through where that water went and what it did in the Midwest here in our country, not only in this city, is just unbelievable. I mean, the water was on the smokehouse's roof. Think about that. Yeah. Well, I think about what was uh, Queen of Hearts. Yeah. That was, that was underwater, too. Probably needed it, though. <laughs> just to give it a little rinse, One of the just a little rinse. Improved after the flood. Yeah. I mean, what a what a era defining um, disaster that um, we all lived through. And um, yeah, so so real quick, number one memory of summer of '93. What was yours from the flood? Um, not being able to come to soccer park except for the long way. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was no way at exactly. that point. Exactly. Yeah. Jer or Zach, what's what's your uh, ninety three so memory? Mine's a little bit longer of a story, but it's funny. Oh, geez. Oh. It's it, it's not that 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 big a deal. <laughs> I lived in Washington, as we know. I was playing I catch know that. with some friends, and we were throwing the football across our street where we lived in a very small neighborhood. And I turned to catch over my shoulder and turned back around and ran smack into a tree, which hurt really badly. Didn't know it, but I had a concussion. <laughs> that day, my mom worked at the hospital in Washington. It was the tallest building in Washington, eight stories. Still is. Still is. So we went up to the top <laughs> yeah. eighth floor and looked out over the river into Marthasville. And so you could see the water going all the way across into the bluffs in, in Washington. And then we got out and walked across the river, and I promptly threw up <laughs> because I had a concussion. And it was... So that was my big memory. It's a fun memory. It was, yeah. 
Did, did anybody My, ever get diagnosed with a concussion in 1993? I did. I mean, these guys were playing soccer and getting <laughs> drilled, and everybody was like, what's your name? All right, get out there and go play. Yeah, exactly. Zach yeah. was in concussion head, protocol in 1993. Head. First person ever. Head to head. Head to head in the game. Eyes roll in the back of the head. They come to, they roll over, they puke, and it's like, oh, it must be heat exhaustion. It yeah, was yeah, the yeah fact I'm sure that that's what it was. I, I had to go to the hospital <laughs> after I threw up. So they were like, okay, he probably has what we call a concussion. Okay. Yeah, so my, my 93 flood uh, was, and I told this on the Steve Ewing episode, I was uh, one of those $5 free shows Mississippi oh, yeah, Nights used to host. Well, uh, the Point was putting it on. We get in there, you pay five bucks, you don't know who the band's going to be, and back doors oh, are open. This is a great story. And, and the river is literally two foot, three foot below the back doors of Mississippi Jeez. Nights, and out walks Blind Melon, and it's like, what? Just surreal. It's one of those, one of those moments. That's phenomenal. Um, pinnacle point yeah, two. Go I ahead. I would go back soccer wise, and I watched Miami play Orlando City last night. Miami, Miami. Yeah. And wow. I watched Messi do what Messi does best, which is get away with red card <laughs> tactics and not get called for it. And he was a punk last night. It, they all were. But you two know, more goals. I, I, I saw what you saw. And I'm glad he's being a punk because if he just, if he smiles and just, you know, cupcakes and Oh, no, no, I'm time, not mad about it. I like that he has attitude he's, it, it at just, this point. Like, prove that you care. And it shows that he's not just doing that <clears throat> when he was at Barcelona or PSG, that this is just who he is. It he's means gonna, he gives an F2 and, 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 and he's invested. And, and to show that kind of, um, I don't know, this, this anger or just um, chippiness. Um, well, and to give it, up, the, he's here to give up the, the PK like he did uh, to Carlos, who didn't deserve to get a PK called, in my opinion. Uh, again, shows leadership on the team, and then you got Jordi Alba coming in off the bench. So you have Busquets, Messi, and Alba in Miami. Uh, it's just it's just insane and for the three games, and I'm not going to go down this road and badmouth anybody. But by far, in the three games to date, um, Busquets gave the ball up multiple times last night, more so than he has in any other game. I think the Heat has a major impact, and 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 I think I don't know if you posted this or somebody did, but they play in Dallas next week. It's going to be 105 <clears throat> degrees. It's going to be a big. I mean, it's going to be a major factor. It's a huge factor, and I think you know. I, We'll see. I mean, they still win, and they're still doing well. But Well, I'm going to stay on the soccer train for my pinnacle point of the day, number three, Trace. Uh, Juve. I'm going. Oh, yeah. America. Yep. USA. Uh, Juve beats uh, Real Madrid yesterday. <clears throat> Another preseason game. Yep. Um, three to one. Yep. The second goal in particular, though, is the one that I want to point out. Tim Way was recently picked up as well by Juve. Uh, Weston McKinney has been brought back. He's playing with them now as well. Uh, the two of them link up and basically dissected a good Real Madrid defense, um, which goes to kind of a running theme in the show where we, you know, we, we're talking about what are, we, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong at the player development level, all the way the pipeline, up to our best players. I mean, that's just another example of our best players can hang anywhere. So I was happy to see that. I think McKinney, more than most of our national team players, he needs a little bit more confidence right well, now. Well, I mean, he got 
they hung the whole <clears throat> leads issue on him last year, even I mean, after they tried to hang it on Jesse Marsh, and then Aronson and everybody else. I, I, I'm actually going to ask our guest a question about that topic because uh, I think he's got a unique perspective, not on leads <laughs> and Weston McKinney, but just playing in different environments and how that can shape and, and change your, your style and approach. Yeah, so in closing, um, I'm happy to see our A-plus yeah. players because I think at this point it's clear that we've got an A-plus roster, an A, a B, and beyond. Um, our A-plus pl players, these two, Tim Way and McKinney, they're in that group. Agreed. Uh, they look good last night. Uh, final thanks goes out to Crescent Plumbing Supply for their support as well. Um, you, need, you need some plumbing fixtures? Jared, how, how's your how's your uh, royal throne? Is it treating you well? Do you need a new one? It's worn out. Um, oh. I don't need a new one, but it gets a lot of use. Um, you need a bidet. It's yes, I do. That would be awesome. I need a wire brush. Just you know, just uh, maximize <laughs> loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, I'll check uh, on them. I, they, we, we got news coming. Supply. We got news coming from them. They're going to benefit all of our our listeners here shortly. So probably in the next episode or two. Be on the lookout for that. Thanks to those two. Uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna roll out. Uh, take a quick break. We're gonna open up some modelos mm. for one of our uh, the new king, our new our new our new fan out in the uh, Pacific Northwest. She's getting a little irritated finding out that we drink Miller Lite and other products. Constant uh, Constellation Brands, mind you. Um, and Modelo um, has overtaken. I said the new king. New king. The, yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's, yeah, I mean, and it's also Good. tasty. Do you think they sponsor stuff? Mm -mm. No, no, I, I think, think they so. sponsor. I think they might. <laughs> I, think I think we might even need to look into that. UFC mainly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be back with our guest for today. See you on the flip side. Yo, Jared here. Remember the pool pandemic of 2021? I was infected. I needed my own oversized oasis in Wentzville. I needed a simple solution to pay for it. So I reached out to my favorite undefeated CBC freshman standouts, Bill and Chris, at The Pinnacle Loans. Long story short, I have my pool. It's a flipping hammer. The loan process with those guys was so simple. Even I did it. Now, every time I get in my pool to drink ice cold beer, I can thank the team over at ThePinnacleLoans.com. That's ThePinnacleLoans.com. 20 and 0 as freshmen? Really? Crescent Plumbing Supply helps save marriages. Really. As families grow, kitchen and bath needs change rapidly. Designing and choosing the right fixtures takes way more skill than just scrolling Pinterest. Staying on budget and avoiding those foreign language order sheets, that's not easy. Lucky for you, the local team at Crescent Plumbing Supply, they are experts. They can help you ditch the baby's tub for a teenage shower and upsize that kitchen sink for all those tumblers, rosé glasses, and sports water bottles. So when you're ready for that kitchen or bath makeover, go to crescentsupply.com. That's crescentsupply.com. It's cheaper than a therapist. And we're back. Kind of proud of this one. Some 
good horns in there. Yes, it is. This is Power of Power. Uh, Brian Owens, St. Louis boy, Northside. Okay. Here, listen to this. Ooh. Yeah. It's pretty good. He's up. Fer- he's a Ferguson kid. The band is uh, Al Holiday. Was the maestro put this thing together? And the backing band is his East Side Rhythm Band. All the horns. We tracked this thing at Gaslight back in the day. Yeah. Live, straight to tape. What? Yeah. Twelve people all once. Yeah. This track? Yeah. Cut live. I think all music being produced moving forward needs to have horns in it. I love music that has horns in it. I mean, I don't like. I mean, maybe it's my age. I respectfully disagree, but I mean, I I like like horns. horns. Yeah. Do you like saxophone? All the. I like all of them. I like all the brass. I like everything. Saxophone has to be any instrument that has a spittoon has a problem. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) let's just start and stop there. I played saxophone in sixth grade. Did you have a spittoon on it? Just a really nasty reed. <laughs> was it a rental? <laughs> a rental? I did, I, did, I did not rent my reeds, no. Uh, I could just see you walking through Washington in sixth grade with a concussion and that stupid black saxophone case. <laughs> I would have just pushed you right down the stairs. He would have landed in that big river that was everywhere. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, before we continue to fall off the rails here, Let's bring on our guest today, um, childhood idol of mine. Uh, he, I'm sure he doesn't remember. I do. In fact, uh, the pennant that he signed for me is still has the uh, quarter rolled up in blue tape down at uh, that because my mom made a mistake and rolled it up when I moved rooms, and then it would never unroll. So she saw I was upset, so she put a quarter in the end of it so they would straighten out. Yep, uh, hanging down at Amsterdam Tavern, right inside the door. Yep, steamer. Just, just one of my favorites. Now, let's be clear too. When we record there, yes, it's you right over my shoulder. Put yourself in a position. I, I touch it. Yeah, as I'm, you can actually touch. <laughs> it. I do. So when he says "idol," he's not messing around. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making this up. So for the second time, without further further ado, <laughs> Mr. Carl Rose, how are you doing today, Carl? I'm doing very good. Thank you very much. Well, we really appreciate you coming in and joining us. Um, you know, you were you were on our short list. You know, we thought about when we started this show. Um, you know, we thought we 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 were joking about okay, if this thing goes anywhere, who would we really want to talk to? And you were definitely on that list. And so, as this thing transpired, and we had Patch earlier, and you know, he's had a lot of fun and has been really engaging and supportive of the show. And when he found out that we were messaging online, he it was almost like it was his birthday. He's like, yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for agreeing to join us. And we're, well, this is about soccer, so that's what we do. It's what you do, right? What it's what do. you've done your whole life. Yeah, yeah. As my son says, I've never worked a day in my life. So that's awesome. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, I, I I gotta I gotta just go straight back to the beginning. Um, you know, get a little bit of the, you know, help some of our listeners because we we know your path. We know you know, when you came here and your playing days, we, we know a lot, but some of our listeners, they've heard the name and they, you know, they, they need to be caught up a little bit. So talk a little bit about your, uh, pre steamers days, you know, where, where you grew up, how you got involved with the game and, you know, kind of walk us that path to landing in STL. 
Well, I grew up in London, England, and so I started playing soccer there, or football as they call it there. Um, lived there till I was 15. I was with West Ham United's academy. I tried out for England schoolboys at 14. Um, was in part of the uh, World Cup 66 opening ceremonies with the kids that all walked in. I was one of them. Nice. So. Wow. Do you remember, did you walk with an athlete or was it just a group of kids? It's or? a group of kids and we all had, I was with Spain, so you had maybe 30 kids of Spain and we all got the whole outfits on, the shoes, the Adidas shoes, they gave us nice. all that stuff. So that was there. And then uh, 15, I moved to Canada. Unwillingly, but I moved. <laughs> Wait, what did what did your parents? What did your family do in London? Uh, where Dad you... was just a regular laborer, and my mom she did hair, and you know, then they thought Canada was a better place for the family. And see, I think that's why we have a connection. My mom was a cosmetologist, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe <laughs> you you remember that perm smell, the perm solution, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> so, so they decide to leave the UK. And, and we moved to Canada and uh, went to high school there, you know, played some soccer there. Um, really didn't know anything about Canada, so I had about six pairs of shoes I gave away and when I left England and, you know, my uniforms and stuff, I just said, you know. So then I moved to Canada. I have an older brother who was there before me, so he got hooked up with some English guys to play soccer. So I joined him with them at 15. So I was playing in a men's league at 15, and I'm short. I'm four foot nine, right? And I weigh 135, soaking wow. wet. So, you know, and I have some of these men that their dads, they were, they could have been my dad. They were that older than yeah. me, right? So. Then I moved on, played soccer in high school, played club. Um, in 74, I made the Canadian national team. So we traveled to England, played in the Pan Am Games in 75, played in the Olympics in 76. Uh, 74, as a matter of fact, I went to the Cosmos before Pele came. And I said, no, <laughs> I wanted to play in Toronto. You know, my family, I was like 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And uh, so I went back to Toronto, didn't make the Toronto team. And the next year, the Cosmos bought Pella, and I never got a chance. And then uh, Indoor started up. So I got a chance to go to play with the Arrows, which where I went and played with them for the first year of the league. Then I was open to do whatever. I could have stayed there. And uh, Popovich, my wonderful coach, he wasn't too, I don't say the word, uh, he wasn't obliging in anything to, to Carl. It was, things were being held too late. Yeah. And so I called there and I got released from the owners. The owners said, you can do whatever you want. There'd be nothing, no problems. And St. Louis was uh, having a team. So flew down, had a tryout. So I mean, you you're a you're a world traveler. You were uh, you know a London kid, and then you go to Toronto, Toronto, which is also a global metropolitan right. city. And you're knocking around in the upper northeast, and you know 
St. Louis comes on the radar. <laughs> did, yeah. did you have to look it up on a map, or were you a? Well, you see, know? I'm a I'm a big Western fan, so I'm old enough that I okay. watched all these John Wayne and <laughs> you know Maverick and Frontier all this stuff. Town. Exactly. So I'd always heard about St. Louis. Yeah. But I never really looked it up on the map where it was. <clears throat> I just know the cattle came through and it went through the Midwest and went through <laughs> St. Louis, yeah. right? So, you know, that's what you know about the name. Who yeah. did you, when you come to St. Louis, um, you you kind of come as a lone wolf, if you will, by yourself. Um, did you gravitate immediately to some of those early names like Patch? And did you guys just hit it off right away? Because I know you guys were thick as thieves back then. So... Can you talk about your first arrival, your early days when you get to St. Louis? Well, when I got to St. Louis, uh, I got picked up by this guy in a green truck. <laughs> old beat up old truck. <laughs> Looked like a redneck was owning it or something, right? Chances are good. And it's a friend of mine to, the, to this day, still a good friend of mine. His name is Frank Schuler. And we've been friends ever since. Um, I think when we all went to the soccer, you know, with the with the team and everything, um, it took a little while. But we there were a lot of us that were from out of town, like Glavin. No, Glavin wasn't even there the first year. So it was Manny Cuenca, Tony Graham, uh, Emilio Romero, Emilio John, myself, and a couple others. So... We stayed out at uh, Howard Johnson's by the Ark. Remember oh, Noah's Ark? I know exactly. yeah, North County. See you all yep. go. <laughs> North County. Yeah. I, know, yeah. I remember that thing. I thought it was real as a kid. I'm like, yeah. how did they get that there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we stayed out there. And then, you know, as the time went on, I think Petch came in a little later with Tony Bellinger because they were with Dallas still yep. in the NASL. So didn't get to meet him as I met the others first. And then. We all just became friends. We all knew what the battle was, you know, and uh, you had a few foreigners, most of them Americans, most of them local boys. So you, you picked up the image of what, what we want to do, how we want to go about it, and uh, we just all got to work. And most of us were single at the time, so, you know, we would go to have a few beers afterwards and socialize. Me, myself, I went home. That's what you said. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I have a meter on my screen. Here. It's blowing up. Right it's red hot, isn't it? It is red hot, man. Let, let me ask you this, though, because this has been kind of like having these conversations with so many individuals that are really from that, uh, what I would consider the com coming out of university in the early 70s, uh, running into uh, NASL is, is, is coming out of the gate. Um, and then in short order, a lot of teams are folding and, you know, there's a lot of transactional things occurring on the business side of soccer here in the States. And then the MISL comes along and it becomes another option. You as a kid growing up in London and having, you know, literally the biggest clubs in the world, you know, in your backyard, a fan of that 11 v 11 game and then coming here and going to Canada and then landing with this option to play indoor was that okay for you at that point in your age in your career to to you know to a degree downshift smaller smaller field less players you know or was there any hesitation frustration or were you just this is a new challenge let's do it well it's uh 
it's the challenge. Is it's not the NASL was crumbling, I should say, slowly but surely. Yeah, in in real time. In real time. Right. And MISL was starting up. Mm-hmm. So, if you really wanted to come and do something at the time, you had to go indoor. You know, so the chance you could go outdoor. <clears throat> <clears throat> but there was there wasn't much going on there. It wasn't like it was. It, 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 I think it had already gotten to the peak, and then was coming down. So when we started, we were going, and then, you know, you have the Petras coming in. You have the Steve Zungles, the Sagodas, which I've known since he was a sixteen-year-old, and you start playing against world-class players, right? In indoor, right? And people can say, "Oh, indoor this and indoor that." That was high level. That was high level. Yeah, stuff. no, for sure. I think That's the qu- the quality of the play. I mean, I mean, we all watched. I remember. Well, these guys are a little bit younger. I remember watching. It was just. It was. It was amazingly fun and fast and, and fast. skillful. Uh, but in your particular situation, did you carry dual or triple citizenship at that point, or how? I'm a Canadian and I have a green card. Okay. So so. Did you, because, you know, the, the visa or citizenship issue to go play, you know, in, in a foreign land was much more difficult back then. Did you, did you consider like going further out again or going back to Europe at all? No, no. That's, uh, if I think if I wanted to make it in Europe at the time, I would have had to stay. I was 15. So that's the time, you know, if you're going to go back as a 20 year old, you better be. Yeah, hammer. Something special, right? You better be a hammer. <laughs> yeah, or, <laughs> or you better have the notoriety that you're an American international or a Canadian international right? to, to go to Europe yeah. and play there. So I, I wouldn't have had that. I mean, I guess if I went back to West Ham, maybe, because that's where I... You had a relationship. I had a relationship right? with the, 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 the level of there, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ron Greenwood was my coach at the time, which landed up to be the head coach of West Ham, you know, so... You uh, you have a lot of different changes and a lot of different things. It's just like positions you play. Sure. I landed up playing fullback. Well, I'm a midfielder. Or I played for my country in the Olympics as a forward. You know, so at the end of the day, you have to uh, decide that you can play the game and you can play more than one position. Right. Or you get stuck in a pigeonhole. It's like a kid going to uh, college and he says, I'm a four-time All-American high school, right? And everyone goes, who cares? Yeah. Right? You've got to come prove it here yeah. again, right? How many goals do you have with our team? Exactly. You yeah. know, so that's what you have to do. So I, I've always tried to prove myself wherever I went. Uh, Coach McBride told me, uh, he said, I have Petcher, Bellinger, Bick, Mikowski. I said, I don't know any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are my buddies now, but yeah, I, I these guys. Yeah, I said, I don't know any of them. I said, all I want is a fair chance. Yeah, you were like, do they drink Budweiser? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, all I want is a fair chance. And he gave me one, and, you know, the rest is history on that point. Nice. So that leads me to my question that I kind of teased up earlier, which is we talked about Weston McKinney, and I'm not going to go into the deep history, but he played for Leeds last year. Right. They got relegated. It wasn't a great outing. Came over from Juventus. He's now back at Juventus, and he seems to be doing better in that environment. And I'm just curious. I've never asked any of our guests about this, but 
what is it that can bring out the best in a player? Is it the coach? Is it the environment? Is it the players next to them, the style? And you can't answer this for all players, obviously. I'm asking for Carl Rose. What was it that you needed to get the best out of you? I just needed a coach to believe in me, number one. I mean, if the coach doesn't believe in you, there's no use being there, right? Because you're you're not going to get a a good chance at what you want to do. And I'm, you know, I've been on the other end of it as well. So I I understand that. Um, But you need to have the coach's confidence behind you that, you know, when you mess up, you're not looking to, well, you're going to pull me because I made a mistake. Yeah. Right. And and so those things. And then you want to make sure you make buddies on the team. You know, if you if you don't make it, you don't have any friends. I don't care if you're the best goal scorer in the world. It's a lonely life living. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you have to make friends and uh, you only live uh, once. Yeah. And like I said, you know, most of us were single, like the Tony Glavins and stuff like that. We all lived together at Howard Johnson. So we <clears> became <throat> friends. We had two cars to go to practice. And there was like <laughs> about eight of us. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> Coach McBride got us a couple of cars so we could drive to practice and so we became friends. We had no choice. Yeah. Eves mentioned that in our episode. He mentioned that you guys, um, you guys were all around the same age. You guys, nobody had kids and families yet. And so you guys had like this commonality where it just really worked and you guys were a tight knit group. Yeah. You know, and I think Zach was wanting to kind of bring some stuff up specifically about that episode. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can bring that up now. I mean, the, the compliment that, that was given to you, and I'm so glad our other person just walked in the room because he was a part of this quote Frame it with the question first. Let him know the question. I will. So the question was, and and JB asked it, you know, he asked Ebes, you know, you're you're walking off into the sunset and you can pick one guy to go with you for the rest of eternity. The whole desert island premise. Yes. Going on on an island. (laughs) And he he said, well, you know, Petch was my guy. As, as a good friend, he's like, but if I had to pick one guy for the rest of my life, the one I would go with, without a doubt, it's Carl Rose. Huh. True. You're going to bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> I told you it was the biggest compliment I've ever heard somebody give another human being. Yeah, well, it's a big one from my buddy. And, you know, and, and Patch just walked out. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was hoping it was going to be him. Um, well, he did reference, and he said, and he gave a reason why. Yeah. He's like, I just can't explain it. Me and Carl had something, this understanding together, if I'm paraphrasing the right way, that we just had something very special. Yep. We had an understanding. And, um, yeah, it was, the, I, it, was the, it was the, let me, sorry to interrupt, but I do want to point out, like, it was the one moment in the episode with him, because Ebes is, he is a vertical attacking conversationalist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, to, to the point. And when we got to that point, and I think that's where Jared was yeah. going as well, his demeanor turned into Shifted. way more empathetic. Because I think, similar to kind of your reaction right now, <laughs> He felt that in his answer, and yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jared. Sorry about that. I, I just thought it was special because 
Like, I, you know, this is not me saying it in a bad way, but I think Eves can be a little bit strict at times, like where, <laughs> hey, it's my way or the highway. And, you, you know, think? the empathy side <laughs> or the, uh, you know, the, the that side, it showed a little softer side of him. And I think it struck a chord with him. It struck a chord with Steve's daughter, who's listened to the episode and was bawling in it. And um, it's really, an, um, you know, an attribute to you guys and how close that group is. I don't think people realize how close that group was. I mean, you guys were going to stay in the man's place afterwards after a big win, after you guys beat the Lasers, and you guys were all together. And, and, and if anybody's ever been on a team, I don't care if it's baseball, football, and you have that relationship with that team, if you haven't had that, I hope you do one day because that's a special team. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, that's the way the steamers were. You know, I mean – the local boys introduced us, invited us into their into their home, which is St. Louis's their home. So we got we got to learn a lot. And then Eves came along. I think it was the second year he came with Glavin, and you know I'm an older guy than the most of them, so you kind of take him under your wing and. You know, he knows what to do with the ball, so I don't have to tell him that. But, you know, if he loses his temper, i got to cool him down a little bit because I'm pretty hot-headed, too, at times. Well, I, so, I, I thought Canadians were just neutral all the well, time. Well, see, I'm, I'm an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> now, my wife, that's a different story. She's a Canadian. True Canadian. <laughs> see, she's a true so, Canadian. So you're the leveling agent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we and, and you also have something very much in common with Eves as well, which is he went out. To the cosmos yeah right after slew and hated every minute of it yeah and i think the big reason he said it i didn't know anybody nobody spoke english nobody gave me a chance he wasn't ready either i mean he wasn't ready and you know. he wanted to come back home and just like you you know you went back to toronto he went back to st louis yeah um and i think the, the combination of personalities and desires that you guys had at that time. And a lot of those guys, now he did talk a little bit about, it wasn't, he didn't, he was hesitant to bring up the word regret, but he certainly did go down the path that JB was starting to go down around the 11 v 11 outdoor passionate uh -huh. uh, version of, of uh, options soccer. and pathways, you know, versus MISL, which was very different. Yeah. Um, but can you talk a little bit about just that experience of being on that team, what it meant to you, even not being from here and, and walking into the Checker Dome and hearing just the raucous, crazy fans and the smoke and the steam and all of that, because that's something that we're very interested in. And, and I was a little young to really remember anything about that. Um, but I've seen the pictures, I've heard the stories and, and I'm a little, speaking of regret, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could go back and, and, and relive some of those times with you guys. But just, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, first of all, I'm going to talk about the regrets of not playing outdoor because that's what we all grew up playing. Yep. And if we could, you know, MLS right now would still be, would be here before MISL came around. So the big game is we love the outdoor game. That was the game that was here at the time. I played in New York the first year, so Philadelphia was the only team that drew a crowd. 
we would go to all different places and you know Houston would get a thousand New York we got two thousand maybe and then we came to St. Louis in St. Louis we went on the road I think we played Cleveland Wichita then we came to St. Louis to play the third game so this is when you were with the Arrows. No, this is when I'm with the Steamers. Oh, with the Steamers. Yeah, okay. our very first game was in Cleveland. Our second game was in Wichita. So they were on the road. And our third game was back in Checkerdome. So number two is my number, so I'm the first one called out. Well, they said, can't go out yet. I go, what do you mean we can't go out? He goes, people are still coming. <laughs> okay, five minutes later, still can't go out. What do you mean? People are coming. So I'm starting to laugh to myself. I go, that's bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. They you didn't know? have to finish their cigarette. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, could yeah. smoke in there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, then all of a sudden the cloud is there, the steam is there, and then they call number two, Carl Rose. So I go running out and I just stopped. All around the lid. Everywhere. Full, full of people. All the way around. So I go, well, it's game time today. <laughs> and it went on like that, you know, until, until we finished playing. Wow. Well, I, I want to go to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to go backwards just a little bit, just to kind of get your take on St. Louis was, uh, well, really America in general was uh, in, in those years <clears throat> recovering coming out of uh, post-Vietnam, post-oil embargo. I mean, it was the economy across the nation was tough. St. Louis was a tough, tough city. Yeah. St. Louis is a, uh, I mean, it's a Rust Belt city, right? Yeah. Um, you're coming in here as a, as an African-American foreigner into this blue-blooded town. How, how good did it feel to be welcomed by these guys knowing because you knew the landscape. You knew what was going on at the time. Was St. Louis surprisingly open-armed to you, given everything else that was going on? Well, first of all, I didn't know what was going on in Springfield, <laughs> okay? I mean, in yep. St. Louis. Um, I have no idea. I just came to St. Louis. I wanted to play soccer. That's almost on my mind. You know, um, when you come, I always say it doesn't matter where you go in this world. If you play soccer and you're good at it, and you show people, people like you. Yeah. Right? It's like picking the kid on the team. If the four of us are playing, right, and we know somebody's good, we're going to pick that guy first, right, and you're going to pick you last. And we might not speak the same language, but you know I can play. Yeah. So I think I, with my uh, abilities that I had, I think I was welcomed into the St. Louis area by the players. Because you were a baller. And, and then the fans liked me for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's my name. It was your flair. <laughs> you played with the, the little you played with a little bit of flair too. Yeah, well I grew up watching the Pele's, the Garinchias and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm an Englishman, so I, I can play tough and physical. Mm-hmm. But I like the the Brazilian style at the time, which was the fifties, sixties when I was growing up which was very technical, very tactical, you know, very skillful. They did step overs, you know. They flicked the ball over their head, and you're going like, oh, you can do that? <laughs> you know, so things like that. So I try to blend my game with what I saw. 
Yeah. And, you know, back in those days, we didn't see a lot of soccer on TV. Right. Mainly it was internationals or a cup final in England, but you didn't get to see them like we do today. Yeah, the rare soccer made in Germany on a yes, Sunday, right? Exactly. So, you know, you you just try to do what you can do and be yourself. I always try to be myself. I don't try to be anybody else. I'm not trying to score goals like Ebert. I'm not trying to be a great defender like Petra because he is. I'm not trying to be like Tony Bellinger, wonderful defender. Mm-hmm. All right? Maybe the best of them all. Or like Slobo. Well, that's my that's my buddy. <laughs> I can't save goals like him. <laughs> not many could. Uh, yeah, not many could in that arena. Right, but that, that's what you have to do. You know, you have to be yourself and do what you do. Uh, and the brides and the petchers and all them, they just have to watch what I do. And if you like it, you like it. So as you got more and more embedded into the city, you know, as 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 things are kind of snowballing, right, picking up speed. How how surprised were you that you know, it's no, it's no secret. We all know the stories about the average attendance, you know, outperforming the NHL, the winter mm-hmm. sports, et cetera. It, did you, did you think after that walkout, that first walkout, number two, Carl Rose, and you, you know, you were just kind of shocked by right. that. Were you waiting for, you know, were you shocked every time or did it, did it get normal? Did it get surreal? What? How did you, how did you manage that kind of intensity? Because it was, I mean, it was a loud, Stadium. Well, I think it got to be expected by us after a while. Mm. You know, you, you can play here, you get 18,000. You go to New York, which is the best team in the league, they get 6,000 if they're lucky. You know, you go to Cincinnati, they maybe get five, 9,000, Philadelphia. So it, but everybody loved to come play in St. Louis. That was our problem. Because the Zungles like to come and stuff it to you. Yeah. Oh, they, right. they were up for that. <laughs> yes. Game. The Oscovies and them, they yeah, like to yeah. come because it's a full crowd. Well, we, uh, Shep Messing. Well, yeah. It, Shep, Shep, we had him on, and he was the goalie for the Arrows yes. at the yeah. time. And I guess there was a, a game six in the finals where he said, on our show, he said it was the most electric crowd experience he'd ever had. And he played for the Cosmos for. Yeah. The Pele years. Right. When there's 75,000 in the Meadowlands. Yeah. And he's so, talking about the Checker Dome being the most electric crowd. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he said, you know, but, it, but it was, though. I mean, it really was. <clears throat> That's awesome. And, and, and if you if you was a local kid, like, say, myself on the steamers, if you can't get up to play in front of that crowd, then you might as well just go home. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then when the, the, our problem was, I think if the rest of the league had 18,000, it wouldn't have been too bad. Yeah. But when you have, you know, the Sungles, the Sagodas, the Messings coming in, hey, it's a full crowd. It's showtime, and they're going to show. Yeah. And, and they always seem to get us by one goal. It's it, it's just you have that player, or you have those two players, you know. So what were some of the other things in St. Louis at the time? Because you guys were – you were – part of the fabric of the city at that time i mean in 82 the cardinals clearly did what they did so from a sports standpoint you guys are riding a wave cardinals you know whitey ball is picking up um but there's other things you know like uh everything that ab is doing and you know and even in, within the neighborhoods the ted drews and Ema, all that stuff what were, were you did you fall in love with like 
the cultural side of the city too, from the food to the beer to the other experiences, or were you just kind of in your soccer silo? Uh, you know, did you, did you enjoy your time in St. Louis during those years? I absolutely enjoyed my time. I got to eat toasted raviolis. (laughs) Did you look at them really weird the first time? I sure did. I sure did. I got to see an Emo's pizza and he's cut in squares. (laughs) All right. Um, So little things like that, you know, that you start getting accustomed to the area. And uh, again... It comes back to the the friends that I made, the Ebers, the Petchers, the Frank Schulers, um, my rep, uh, Doug Chandler. They made me feel at home. All right. So I didn't feel like I had to go home all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, to to feel family. I felt family from, from being here. And then I got a lot of money spending calling my wife before she was my wife. So I spent a lot of money on phone calls at night, you know, 300 bucks a week. And, you know. but, that, but that's worth it because, you know, I've been married a long time now. So that's, that's good. But. Yeah. Speaking of things that kids don't remember is long distance phone cards, cards and yeah. Yeah. That's just the phone itself. You just pick right. it up and dial and yeah. And when they send you the building, you go, oh, <laughs> oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do, because uh, we could go on and on and on here. I, I'd like to take a quick break. Uh, we will get some got to get into the coaching days. That's yeah, what, that's we're, what I've we're, got it written down right here. Oh, Zach's got notes today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to go get some more Modellos for Petch's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Keep her happy out there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more Carl Rose, and we'll see where this thing takes us, all right? See you guys. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Okay. We're back. Everybody good? Oh, yeah. Refills? I just think so hard when this music comes on. <laughs> you know, You know what my wife said to me last night? I came in and... She's been apparently binging them, getting caught up. I'm like, why? Why do you even listen? Like, we can just talk. You don't need to listen to me talk. It's a lot easier when you she can't. No, talk I can't. She goes, I legit. I, she doesn't like looking at I you. Listen. She and she's super. <laughs> I was wondering I mean, why. I was wondering why the blanket was over her head. <laughs> 
But she goes, uh, two things. She goes, I am not an animal. <laughs> she said two things. She said, number one, I f- I'm so fucking pissed that Jared ruined the grape for me. <laughs> and then she said, I think you're making those guys feel bad with the music. No, I don't feel bad at all. No, not at all. Did whoever sings Puff the Magic Dragon, was it the same artist? Because they sound identical. Uh, no, that was not. That was yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, that's uh, Heard of Peter, Paul, and Mary do the Puff the Magic Dragon. All the same. <laughs> See, Carl, Carl, Carl knows the music. Carl grew up with a cosmetologist mom. He understands there's always music on in the shop. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. Um, <clears throat> we have a million different directions we can go with this thing. Cause I, I, yeah, I'm going to take it in, a, in a, a path that we started at the end and... You're going to be the tip of the arrow for I the am, second cause, half? Because during the break, we had a, another guest come in. Because we're down here at Scott Gallagher at Soccer Park. Mm-hmm. Big ceremony going on. Uh, some camps going on. And one of our beloved coaches who coached our boys for a number of years, Tim Leonard, came in. We referenced him on the Don Ebert episode because he, he coached at Irvine. At Irving. Irvine. <clears throat> Lenny played for Carl. For and Lenny played for Carl. And so a lot of connective tissue around Tim Leonard. And um, I just spoke to him, Carl. Uh-huh. And, and he had a very serious question to ask you. <laughs> he said, ask Carl how good that 1975 team was. <laughs> so I'm, before we get into the coaching thing, I, I'm going to ask you a, co- a coaching question from your former player. Okay. Timmy Leonard. No, that's a birth year, 1975. 75, 75 a, was their birth year. Yeah. Is a magical year. That's the first team I ever coached. Yep. Really? And yeah, I never coached up to that point. Never had any desire. And uh, just I, stay, stay a little closer to the mic. If you sorry. Don't. Yeah, and I okay. uh, got a job at Altros. I had fallen off my roof here in St. Louis yeah. and lost my eyesight and all that stuff. And Al gave me a job managing his indoor facility, which you said that flooded because mm-hmm. I used to work there. And uh, a lady came and asked me if I would like to coach. First of all, she said, is your name Carl Rose? And I said, yeah. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> Who's asking? That's, that's about it. That's about what I said. <laughs> and then uh, she said, would you like to coach a team? And I said, well, I'll come down and look. You know, So I went down. They were a decent team. And over the years, we got a... Well, we played against Timmy Leonard, first of all, and uh, he was on the other team. Can't remember their names right now, but he was on the other team, and they were all worried about him because he scored six, seven goals against him every game. <laughs> so I uh, told a guy, Matt Brauner, to mark Timmy Leonard. And I said, if he goes to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom with him. <laughs> right? if, he goes, if he goes to talk to his coach, he goes, well, he's talking to his coach. I said, that's okay. You're on the field. You can go stand next to him, too. <laughs> so I think Timmy Leonard got one goal, and we beat him like 6-1 that day. So, you know, then I became a hero with that family and that, was that team. Um, the next year, we got Timmy Leonard. We got a couple other kids. Wow. And we got even better. And so we... Uh, we took St. Louis apart, all the boys. We played up, and we took everybody apart. We went to nationals. We went to regionals on a regular basis. Um, they didn't know how good they were. They do now. 
that they're older guys and they know that they should have won a national championship two, three times. It's probably why you had Zach ask you that question. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted he wanted affirmation. As as they, as they say, they were they were badass kids. They were they could play. Um and they were a great team. I mean, they just had players, you know. That's you, awesome. You know, when you just sometimes you don't have to do anything, you just show it, teach it and <clears throat> it gets done and it gets done at the top at high level, you know, and if they're not doing stuff then they get chewed out by me at halftime. There's a lot of nice verbal words said and you know, parents always want to know what you say. Well, they really don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. We, did, you, uh, did you tell your players to just say, just tell them I was speaking Canadian? Well, no. I what, what I always <laughs> tell, I tell all my teams that I've ever coached, what happened, we're a team, we're a family. Yeah. And what happens between us stays between us. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to squeal on you to your parents, and you're not going to say anything what I said. And it's between us. And so they've... Parents have asked and the kids to say, if Carl wanted you to know, he'd tell you. Yeah. I think that that certainly reflects on how Lenny coaches still. Yeah. I mean, he is, he, he teaches his team and treats his team as a family. Well, and he treats them as adults. And they don't. With, they, you yes, know, he does. Consequence and respect yep. and accountability, respect. <clears throat> and, you know, I think the combination of, you know, being coached by you and working with Ebes. Certainly hasn't hurt him with a, yeah, with a certain amount of uh, with a certain amount of baked in fear. Yeah, you know? yeah, a little bit of that. <laughs> I um, I want to go down this road a little bit with the coaching side of it. Um, we're sitting um, at your home where you coached at quite a bit early on with those teams, mm-hmm. and um, I, I I got the chance to play for this club before it became Scott Gallagher. It was called Bush. Everybody knows the story. Um, talk about the big theme in our show is academies and clubs and high school and and now all these staff coaches at these great clubs that we have throughout our state, even in Springfield, Missouri, where you guys currently live. Um, these guys are making money. Um, you guys, the Bush coaching staff in your era, Denny Vaniger, um, yourself, Tom Holmes. I mean, I know Jim Bokern was in that era. Uh, Denny Hadigan. A lot of these guys are ex-players, ex-pros. I didn't realize at the age the pedigree of coaching and players that we had, and you guys just did it for the love of the game. Can you can you talk a little bit about the early coaching years and the club aspect and, and and what it meant to like leading those kids and families? I mean, it just had to be gratifying as heck. Well, yes, it was. Um, first of all, we were Grant's Farm, the team mm-hmm. that I coached. And, but we kicked everybody's butt. <laughs> and so the second year, Bush came and asked us. So I talked to the parents and I said, you know, you got a better chance of doing things here. And we've got the facilities and all this stuff. So we came to Bush and, uh, you know, you have Tommy, and you, you have uh, all these coaches that I'm looking up to. Although I'm a player and I played at this level, I never coached. Yeah. So, you know, I would come to the park and play a game on a Saturday, coach a game, and I'd sit here and have a couple of beers and watch games, you know, and I'd sit down with some of the coaches sometimes if they were around and we'd just sit down and talk. And so it's a learning experience. And I, my problem with the, today is we have guys that don't want to learn from the older guys. Mm. Okay, the game hasn't changed. You can change systems all you want, but at the end of the day, 
you have to trap a ball, dribble a ball, pass a ball, yeah. shoot a ball. Still that, size. That it's still <clears throat> soccer. Right? Still size five. It's still size five, <laughs> right? So, you know, you have to be able to do those things, and you have to, you have to see the game. You have to see. You know, he might say he's a forward. I look at him and say, no, nah, he's a midfielder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so yeah, little things like that. I think from being a professional and playing at different levels that you get to see in kids. So, you know, some kids, oh, well, you couldn't score if your life depended on it, okay? <laughs> you know, and this other kid in the back that doesn't want to shine is the guy that can really score the goals. So you have to convince them as you're teaching them that they can do it. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because when you made that transition post-playing days and you started to get into coaching and, and really leaning, you know, leaning into it deep, um, because as you, when you played with the steamer with the steamers, you knew that you know Patch and a lot of these guys they're they're from here, right? It was you know for a professional team in a professional league with the ability to sign players from anywhere, it was a St. Louis team, right? Um, so then, so you had to know there was something in the water to begin with. You probably heard some of the stories when you got here about SLU University and you know a lot of those players, et cetera. Correct. But when you started coaching. Um, were you surprised by just how much this town loves the game? Uh, you know, seeing it from that perspective with, you know, with, with the 75 team, like Timmy and those guys, did it, did did it make you love the area more or respect the area more from a soccer perspective? Or was it just, again, kind of that next step? Well, it, it was a bit of everything really. Um, first of all, I never went to watch any youth games when I played here. Mm-hmm. Right, so I didn't. It's not like I hung out at soccer park or wherever. Um, then when I started getting into it, then I started seeing other teams and you know kids and families and stuff, and you start realizing that there's a lot of good players here. Now whether they're all getting good coaching is another story, <laughs> right? But there's a lot of good there's a lot of good athletes and players that um, are. are at the levels that they can go to another levels if they've got the right people coaching them, you know? So I think St. Louis is full of players. I'm upset that this club here, Scott Gallagher, aren't going to the national finals every year. <laughs> All right, that's my problem. This is a big club. This is not a little club. This is a big club. Yep. All right, should be, should be putting teams up there every year without facts. With, that's it. Yeah. You know? So let me let me kind of you know, pivot us a little bit back into the coaching uh, philosophy side of things because, you know, you, you had your style as a player. You, I think you've referenced multiple times here and completely agree with you. You know, the whole, oh, I'm a six or I'm a nine. Well, right. no, you're a soccer player. Right. You know, we're going to figure out how to get the best out of you. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, absolutely. Why do they keep saying the six and the nine and you're a 10? Yeah, well, I think the kids have fallen in love with uh, FIFA, the video game, one, mm-hmm. and a lot of social media when they describe. Well, then, um, well I, I, I agree with you, but then we should go back and go 1 through 11 on the field starting. Oh, I would love that. Right? And then you need to, if you got six subs, seven subs, 15, 13, 14, so forth. Yeah. Because right? now you're telling, I, I see this, I just finished coaching April 1st. And I keep asking people, why do you say the 10? I said, that girl's got a 45 on her back. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> you know, I said, do you understand what these are? Because that's what I grew up. Okay? 
Number 11, left wing. Right. Right. Number 10, inside left. Number 9, center forward. Number 8, inside right. And we can go back all the way back. But now you can wear any number. So I wish these coaches would stop saying the 10 and the 9. You're a midfielder. Well, I I completely agree with you. Just theoretically, do you think that the kind of the overhyped value of these numbers in relation to, you know, Ronaldo, who wears number seven, but is the nine, you know, or so many other examples. Do do you think that it's kind of like creating more of a a video game response to the kid's responsibility or their wish list as a player? It most probably is. You know, I I would just say, hey, you're a midfielder. You're (laughs) a forward, right? You're the playmaker. You know, you're the stopper. You're the keeper. Stop saying this nine and ten. Those days are over. I grew up playing in England. One through 11, we had no subs. Mm -hmm. So you can say you're the ten. You're the nine, right? But you're actually wearing that number. Right. All right? Because that's how we put you out on the team. That's how they put us out. So when these people keep saying, well, you're the 10, don't confuse the girl. Don't confuse the guy. You're a midfielder. You're the playmaker. I want you to go in and create. I love that. I've never thought about it like that. I mean, obviously, I I didn't grow up in the English style. I didn't know there were numbers on the field (laughs) until honestly until my son started playing out gallagher and they started talking through the the numbering system which they're adopting from the european clubs right but i think it does stress something that's not that important right and it it devalues what is and i think you just articulated that so well and i've never heard that or even really thought about it it's i mean it's a simple concept but when you start identifying as a number Right. whether that's your jersey number or the position you play in the field, it does make it more difficult than to think of yourself as a soccer player. <laughs> yeah, what what position do you want to play, Zach? I want to play the good one. Yeah. You know, start. Yeah. I've always <laughs> wanted to be a 10, Dad. <laughs> really? You don't even know what the hell that means. But you're nine. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I'm 10, Dad. My birthday was the other day. Um, let, me, let me kind of... I'm going to talk a little bit more about club and just get your get your opinion on kind of the state of soccer. We were talking earlier, you overheard us in the pinnacle points of the day. I was talking about the development and, you know, leading up to our A-plus players, the mm-hmm. Westons, et cetera. You know, looks like things are working. We clearly, as a nation, are accelerating and putting more and more top-tier players in top-tier divisions and leagues, and they're getting top-tier time. Um, but you, your, your passion here the last 25, 30 years has been with youth clubs, coaching. Um, what do you see, you know, just, just kind of like your State of the Union address? Uh, are we going down the right path? Do you think that we're overkilling the kids? Should they be playing more in the alleys? Should they be, you know, where, where do you see it right now? Just, just in generic terms. Yeah, well, we don't, we don't allow kids to play in parks anymore. So that's yeah. not going to happen, right? I think you have too many leagues. You have the ECNL. You got the National League. You got soccer, whatever, in St. Louis. You've got Slicer. You've got Springfield. Too many leagues, right? And then when I think you get to uh, – you, you can play in a league and you can go straight to Nationals if you win your league. Well, that is just complete BS. Yeah. Too easy. Right, too easy. Everybody needs to be put in the same pot. 
All right. Now, if you play in a better league, like the National League, let's say, and you are a better team, okay. It's like in England when you play in the FA Cup. The Premier Division don't go into the third round. Right. Yeah. All right. So the first two, everybody has to play. So why can't that be the same? Yeah. Just qualify up. Everybody, right. So all the lower leagues are playing, and then if this is your top league, then they come in in the third round. Does anything, does anything have to do with just the sheer youth numbers, both boys and girls that are playing, almost to the point where they're finding different platforms for these kids to play? Um, is, there any, is there any truth to that? Because when you came here to St. Louis to start your indoor career, there were substantially yet less youth players playing the game. Um, and now it's just a boom effect of how many kids – and you just can't have one league, I don't think, with those kids. I mean, maybe I'm just flat out wrong. Well, you can't have one league, but you, you don't need five, six leagues either. Yeah, you're all, you're all in. You're all in. You're all in this thing here, which is we need to teach the kids. I I understand that it's gotten bigger. All right, everything's gotten bigger. Mm -hmm. the, the numbers are big, but you still need to have this course here. Uh, how do you get uh, – what's the young kid from Gallagher that went to England? Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. Josh Sargent. Well, why don't we have more Josh Sargents going? Mm-hmm. Right? Because we get, into, we get into leagues, and then somebody's missing that kid, and somebody's missing that kid. Or why aren't we going to Camdenton and getting the best player in Missouri? Because nobody's ever been to Camdenton to check him out. Yeah. yeah, you know so Jackson, Missouri, you know all exactly. these rural areas. I get it. So you can't say that our league is the best. This league is not better than that league, and everyone on any given day can beat anybody. I think it's interesting, and we've had this conversation a couple different times in a couple different ways. And the American style of sport, I think, is challenging in an environment like a European football league because we like playoffs we like simple <laughs> yes, so we have one we have one you know uh national league or major league version of all of our sports and if you're not in that major league well you're just out and so i think what soccer has been trying to do and i think there's some nefarious sides of this i really do um and i do think there are some really positive sides of it which is are you talking about playoffs <laughs> not talking about practice um, <laughs> talking about practice it's all about practice <laughs> no, no but I, I, I i'm i'm gonna get there i think what is starting to happen with these expansion of these leagues is that they would have stuck to a single national championship per gender per age group i think that would be different and still had feeder leagues that could get up to that point but they don't they have multiple leagues that have multiple national champions and i think that's what you're talking about is how can you say that you're the national champion when you didn't play two of the teams that also claim national championship to be national champions in the same age group maybe even in the same region city yeah. right yeah it's like a it's like an episode of oprah Everybody gets a car. Everybody gets <laughs> a car. You get a car. Well, thank you, you get a book. I like Lexus outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's one of those things that I I I think that, it, you know, again I'm going to go back to just referencing what we were talking about the, at the kickoff, and, and we've talked about it in recent episodes. Just hi, hyper focusing on 
you know, our top what I would consider 25 players that are American players playing for the national team. You look at their pedigree and you and if you go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever and just kind of do the do the same test. Pull the top 25 that were rated, voted on or whatever. I think there's anybody close to the game here would agree that the top 25 today are arguably the best total 25 just talented players based on the teams, based on what they're producing. You know, it, 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 you can never prove it. It's the whole, you know, who, generational but, gap. But you have to go, in my, my view, is you have to go generational because you, it's like saying who's the greatest player in the world. Totally agree. All right? Yeah. It's, Which generation do you want? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm brought up in the 50s. Yeah, and I've seen lots of great players. Yeah, I mean it's it, the, the whole NBA debate. You know, well, we'll we'll never play Jordan, and Jordan will never play right. LeBron. And but in their eras, correct, they are the best of their each era. So. Yeah, and I and I think my 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 point is really more when you look at today the development of our systems, as fractured as they are, we still are putting pound for pound more numbers on the biggest stages in the biggest stadiums in the biggest leagues so if carl rose had the the puppet strings and could say hey we need to make two changes from a youth competitive level sounds like the first one would be let's kill all the leagues let's simplify the league systems or at least have them or stratify them or or have them funnel in a fa style yeah right and then what else? What would what would be another magic bullet that you well, would like to test out? I think when you uh, you have all these kids that go to the academy, like City Academy, and your kids are supposedly be there. I don't know. Um, they better be there because <laughs> <laughs> that's where I've been dropping them off. But, but I, I think when you bring kids in from other states, you need to house them, mm-hmm. school them, pay the bill for them. Mm-hmm. Just like they do in the rest of the world, and people don't understand. And I said, "Well, where do you think Messi came from?" Right. Yeah. All right. He's other side of the world. All right. As a twelve-year-old. Right. But we don't do that. I've got kids in Springfield that play for a sport in in Kansas City. They have to travel. Yeah. All right. This this is nonsense. Okay. You need to be there every day, five days a week. Eat, eat, sleep, soccer. That's it. I mean, I think that's starting to change. I mean, Jared's proof of that. We, he's hosting a, a kid from our U16 Academy who's from Oklahoma, and his family entrusted Jared for some reason with the care. <laughs> and they've been listening to this, too. Yeah. They still said yes. I met them, and I told them I know them really well. Let's see how this goes. No, I, I, but I, and I, I really did get them serious compliments on, on you and Kelly. Um, and Drew. But so those things are happening, but we haven't really built the residential academies. Now, I will say the Barca Academy down in, is it Phoenix? Is that where they are? Yeah, they're in Arizona. They are pumping out big time. Well, the live-in academies, uh, Philly, Philly Union is, I believe, the live-in Real is also a resident. I honestly don't know. I mean, you said that. I I just, I I think so. I mean, it, I reality to, to sure. your point I think there's a correlation between these true right academies all inclusive that's what you have to do because you have to get the players and they got to eat 
sleep the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was with England in England with West Ham, we could play soccer all day long. Yeah. So there, there was no restrictions that you can't play for a club team. You know, I went to West Ham Tuesday, Thursdays during the wintertime. I play Saturday, Sundays for five teams. All right, I go play for my high school team during the week. So there was no restrictions where academy teams, you can't play for clubs, that's what I hear. Right. Mm. Okay, so, yeah. so you're restricting playing time. So if you're going to restrict playing time, then it needs to be full-time at your academy. It increase the playing time increase with the, the academy yeah. so that the restriction on the other sides I think some the of these residential point. ones are doing that. Um, Austin, Real, Philadelphia, I think Chicago has it in the works. Those guys are training mornings. They are going doing coursework because in our another issue that's different from all these other places that are succeeding is the emphasis on education in the in the United States. Right. So so but these residential academies are actually playing and then doing an abbreviated school day per se without all the extracurricular arts and whatever else and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff for anybody but then they're going right back to the field right. and I think that's what you're getting at so the frequency is higher. Yeah. Uh, IMG IMG was the first yeah. one like that in the US. Um, they still are in existence. They're still doing well. I think, though, the dominance that they had in that has dispersed right. a little bit. And so you're starting well, to see these things pick up in other By areas. a lot. I mean, the MLS academies have, have, yeah. have, have figured yeah. it out. Yeah. To replicate that a lot model, of that. model from, from yeah. well, Europe and well, let's La Masia. Let's let's sh let's shift gears just a little bit. Let's let, <laughs> yeah, let's let's have a little bit of fun here because I know we're we're kind of approaching our our mark here. Um, I'm kind of looking at some of the notes because on on your page, um, and I'm really confused. <laughs> oh boy, the favorite club notes list: Manchester United, Tottenham, and West Ham. How is that possible? How is it possible <laughs> to be a Tottenham fan and a Man U fan in today's world? Are because because <laughs> I'll tell you how that is. Uh, Man United was the team to watch. Man United was the team that was the best in my mind. Yeah. My hero in England, Jimmy Greaves, played for Tottenham. Fair right. enough. And yeah. West Ham. I, and West Ham was the academy that I was with. So Okay, at the beginning of the year, three. though, I'm going to put you on the spot, though. At the beginning <laughs> of the year, though, you get a 20 spot. That's it. You go to Vegas. You got to pick one to, to win. Man United. Man United. All right, well, thanks for joining us, Carl. We're, uh... <laughs> so, but who would be your choice? Well, Is that shirt? Oh, I, see I, yeah. I have a young man that plays for me, and that team sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him every day. Oh, I know. I, I thought you were my childhood idol. I know. It, it is officially <laughs> gone off the rails. But see, <laughs> I, I, I know down. a lot of players that played for Chelsea <laughs> as a kid growing up, and Chelsea were a very good team. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I, I as a kid, I mean, we met them in passing on a trip to to holland at the, and uh they were just at the same time ac milan was at the same complex yeah and they had just won uh the champions league Europe, yeah euros and and the chelsea guys were just they were cool 
They, yeah. they were like, oh, well, you know, you know Michael Jordan? Because <laughs> we, we're from Illinois, and it doesn't matter if you're eight hours away. And, right. No, I don't know Michael Jordan. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so I, currently, we, we've mentioned his name a couple times in here, and he's also listed as one of your favorite players. Uh, and I want to kind of tie it into uh, MLS, and that is Messi. Um, you know, as a fan now, the ability to, you know, we're spoiled nowadays. We were talking earlier how soccer just simply was not on the television. Right. Uh, and then over the past 15, 20 years in particular, EPL, Premier League, has been, y- you can't not see it. Uh, you can you can find every other league. And now MLS is, uh, the new TV package is f- frankly accessible. Yeah. And here comes, you know, number 10 the Argentinian uh, Messi, right? Um, how fun is it for you kind of at, at, at this point in your career is just, you know, soccer's been your life um, to see a player like that come here in a league that has found a way to learn from previous league's mistakes to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it exciting for you to see where, where the game is at in the oh, States with players like this? Definitely is. I mean, you see a guy like him... First of all, you'd like to see him every week if you could. Yeah. You know, um, he's just an amazing, amazing player. I mean, if you can't play with a guy like that, then you can never play the game. So I don't care. Miami was going to turn around. They might not win anything, but with him, his presence, their game is going to step up. And if not, they won't have a job. <laughs> is that simple? Like, is that know. simple? Man, he has a weird way to make everybody, um, like all the greats across our sports history, he just has an uncanny ability to make everybody better around him. That's correct. And that's, I mean, that's why he's that good. I, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable. I mean, you can talk about fundamentals, his touch, all these things, his accolades, and how great he is. Every player on that team is much better because we had sample size. Uh, the left wing is just yeah. unbelievable to me how much different of a player he is with Robert Messi Taylor. on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing on your page is in your favorite players, you've got Messi, you have Ronaldo, Giggs and, Pe- Giggs and Pele, Pele. I'm going to move them out of the conversation. Messi, Ronaldo, same thing. You, you, you don't get to take two of them on a date. You get to pick <laughs> one. And why? Who, who do you like? Uh, as an all-around all well. There should never be a choice between any of them. <laughs> I, well, on no, our I'm, show, I'm, I'm there is a give, choice. I'm going <laughs> to give you, yeah. But you have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is a great, great goal scorer. Yeah. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. That's He's got the size, he's got the speed, and he knows how to score goals. But then you have this little guy <laughs> who has the speed, doesn't have the size, but got a brain, and he's got skill. Out the yin yang, as they say. Yeah. And if I'm going to take a player, I'm going to take the Messi because he can do more things for me than score a goal. I can put I can put Ebert to score a goal if I got Messi, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, would you pick Messi before he won his World Cup? Well, we can talk about that World Cup, too, because... In the semifinals, he should have got a second yellow card for his handball in the middle of the field Bingo. and never been in the final. Or never been in the semifinals, sorry. It was the game before. Yeah, the quarter. Yeah, the, the quarter. Yeah. And he's, it was playing handball. So it was like FIFA wanted Argentina to win, 
you know, uh, when you start watching it. And then you hear some players from the World Cup say those things. Yeah. And, you know, if it was me on the sideline and I hit the guy, I get a yellow card. That's fine. But if I put, I'm in the middle of the field or any of those other players in the middle of the field and put their hand up, they would have got their second yellow card and been gone. Yeah. Was it good for FIFA for them to win? Absolutely. Was it good for the global game for him and them to win? Absolutely. Exactly. Was it really good for Qatar to have him win? No. <laughs> I'm like, yes. They, they, well, let's include they, David Beckham in that. Yep. Um, so while we're on this path, I'm going to close this out with a similar question. Same question that we tossed to Ebs. We're going to toss it to you. Okay. It is that <laughs> desert island. You got to go off with your ride or die steamer. The who who who's in the sidecar? Who who can you trust that you will not kill night one? <laughs> that that deserves your presence until uh, you guys fade away. That's a that's a real tough one. Uh, he answered it. You know. Well, I know he answered it, <laughs> and I'm gonna answer it too. <laughs> okay. There's a Petcher. There's a Bellinger. There's Ebert, but my pick would be my roommate, Sam Bick. Really? Nice. Easy. Big, strong boy, easy. Born the same day as my wife. A uh, little karma in the cards yep. there. So, you know, he'd take care of me. Could he cook? Yeah. I don't know, but I'm sure he'd learn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one follow-up question. Go ahead. Which is, you talked about walking out that first game in St. Louis at the Checker Dome. Did you get to pick out your walkout song? No, no, we don't get to. They don't. Now you do. <laughs> so this might be even harder to answer. But if you had to pick a walkout song, and it can be for today, walk out here on on field one, or there's there's too many songs. There's too many songs. Well, Jared tossed this up a little bit earlier. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna see how, if you, how you guys feel about this. How's that? We'll we'll go true St. Louis classic. Huh? <laughs> Here Is comes the, the key. <laughs> well, I was I played uh, uh, cool in the gang. For Petch, so. all I can think of is Clydesdales. I know when I. It's the St. Louis song. thing, but I, I feel like Carl, you are you're part of that fabric. You were part of so many of our childhoods, going to the dome, grabbing those orange inflatables they tossed out, but we couldn't wait to see you guys play. And then you know I had the you know I was a little guy and you autographed that pennant. And I'll never forget that. You guys were always approachable, and I think that's one of the things that made you guys so endearing to all of us that grew up that played the game, that loved the game, you know, and then you continued to coach all of us at the same time. I I mean, you had the the firsthand experience. I feel like I got secondhand experience by working with, you know, coaches that were inspired by you and, you know, with, with Lenny and and others. And, and so I think your, your legacy continues to live on. And I'm so thankful that we got to to meet you and, and hang out with you today. Well, Gentlemen, I'm glad you asked me. As a matter of fact, all of this in my whole life is it's a dream come true. You know, so me making it to professional, that's what I wanted to do. Me playing for my country, that's what I did. Um, me getting the girl. Getting the, girl, the girl, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you, my girl comes from a small little town. There's about eight people in it, and she's one of them. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Well, Carl, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. This one probably brings back a few more memories than uh, yeah, there you Bush go. Stadium as much, right? That's it. There you go. Well, we 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 loved your time. Uh, look forward to. It. We'll we'll stay in touch, kind of like. Because we'll bring you back. Because there's going to be plenty of people that want to ask more questions. If you're, if you're willing to join. We're willing to do it. We would love it. Well, uh, Zach and Jared, thanks again for uh, holding down the fort. Um, Pinnacle Loan, Chris and Billy, thank you for the support. Crescent Supply, love the help. And uh, again, you know, just send, send this episode to a friend. Say, hey, look, you remember that childhood... 81, 82, we were hanging out. Our parents ditched us to go drink and smoke in the corner while we watched the game. Here's an episode with one of those guys. Check it out. So we'll catch you next time. Thanks for the support, people.